Hello, and you're very welcome to another edition of The Others, the Alan Kinsler podcast, where I look at small parties and groups that have stood in elections here over the years. This week is the turn of Cumann Cearta Sibéilte and the the Gaeltoc Civil Rights Movement, who backed candidates in the 1969 and 1973 general election in Galway West and had an, quite an impact on policy regarding the Gaeltoc um, over the years. Thanks a million to everybody who subscribed to the podcast, left feedback, etc. And thanks especially to those who have subscribed to the Patreon for both this and the website. The Patreon is patreon.com forward slash election lit. If you want to contact me, I'm election lit on Twitter, Irish political ephemera on Facebook, irishelectionliterature.com and irishelectionliterature at gmail.com. The Irish language had been at the forefront of national policy since the foundation of the state, and yet, seemingly, you know, there was compulsory Irish in schools and other things, but it hadn't um, led to a massive revival in the language that had been hoped for. Indeed, in the 60s, Fine Gael, I think in 1965, were calling for the abolition of Irish as compulsory. And there were other, there were other movements like the Irish language, or sorry, the language freedom movement, which uh, again had a similar, similar theme that they wanted, didn't want Irish uh, to be compulsory anymore. There was a feeling that whatever way they were doing it, it just wasn't working. At the same time, in Connemara, there was a, people were looking, you know, that the, the language, they had all this stuff about the language and how Irish should be cherished and everything and how Irish official language of the state and the Irish language should be preserved and, and encouraged. And yet, at the same time, literally, there was no future for many young people uh, leaving school in Connemara. So, literally, there were so many people, you know, in Connemara, uh, young people were just leaving. You left school and you left. Very few stuck around. So when you, at the same time you were trying to revive the language, uh, the very people who, the native speakers of the Connemara Gaeltacht, were all ending up in London or Boston or New York or wherever, rather than if you kept them in Connemara, gave them opportunities in the area, then the language would thrive because there would be, it wouldn't just be the older people who would be there. There would be a younger population and the language would thrive th through that rather than just the lip service of Irish in schools and everything. That The language was very much linked to the community. And if you have emigration and constant emigration from, be it to Dublin or London or wherever, you won't grow the areas where the language is uh, strong and that the, the language will die out if all the young people leave. Certainly it's going to be harder for the language uh, to survive. So it was from that that Come on Ciarta, Sibéilte na Gaeltachta, the Civil Rights Organisation, Gaeltach Civil Rights Movement, from, from that, those thoughts that it was born and they were influenced by the civil rights movement in the state and Derry and so on. The first, the first indication was um, I 
Some of the older listeners might remember Quicksilver, held by, posted by Bunny Carr. And there was a protest. Quicksilver was being uh, filmed in Connemara. So I'll just read a, an article on it. Quicksilver, the RTE quiz programme, paid its first visit to Connemara last night and was picketed by members of the new Gaeltacht civil rights organisation. Common Carta Shibelta and the Gaeltacht placed a picket outside Chock Furbo, five miles from Galway City, where two recordings of the popular show were to be made. Members of the organisation, which is demanding equality for more than 20,000 Irish speakers, protested that the programme was not recorded exclusively in Irish. They claimed that since Furbo is in the heart of the Irish-speaking area, the programme should have been recorded entirely through Irish. Some of the protesters carried placards reading, on Gaeltacht RIP Egortie, outside the hotel where the recordings of the half-hour show were to be held, a special force of 12 Gardaí was on duty near the hotel as the protesters marched in the rain from the local church to Chock Furbo, about half a mile. Mr Patrick Concannon, a member of the new organisation, said last night that they were not asking RTE to give them better treatment than English-speaking areas, only the same treatment. He pointed out that the placing of the picket was only the beginning and said they intended to continue to impose any attempt to downgrade the Gaeltacht or diminish its rights. Mr Bunny Carr, compare of the programme, said, I am surprised that, it, that the hotel was picketed because the show is not completely in Irish. Our plan from the start was to give competitors a choice of having the questions asked in either Irish or English. I have no way of knowing in advance if the audience is entirely from the Gaeltacht. Competitors often come for miles to attend a show. Also last night, pickets were placed by Conor and Nagaeltaka on RTE buildings in Dublin. So this is the first public uh, protest by the language, um, sorry, by the Gaeltaka Civil Rights Organisation. And, you know, it gets to the front page of the papers. And again, that's what they wanted. That's, that's the purpose of it. A month later, the group got to see the minister. Gaeltoc Group sees Minister. Members of Glusha Carta Civilta Nagaeltacta placed a picket on the Custom House in Dublin yesterday to coincide with a meeting on Gaeltoc development there, which was being attended by the Minister for the Gaeltoc and the Minister for Local Government, the Council Chairman and County Managers of Gaeltoc Counties, and the recently formed Gaeltoc Advisory and Coordination Committee and the newly appointed Gaeltoc Directors. After the meeting, the Minister for the Gaeltoc, Mr Ford Quaukler, met the Civil Rights Group and spent an hour discussing Gaeltoc problems with them. Afterwards, they said the Minister problem pro- promised to look into certain problems. A spokesman for the group said that the main point of their protest was a rumour that the, a trawling port, which in Forbes Forbalta proposed should be contrusted in Rossaville, in Connemara was to be transferred in Galway, to Galway instead. This port would be the fifth largest in Ireland and the local fishermen claimed that if the port were not constructed there they would lose a day's work sailing to Galway with their catches. The Civil Rights Group also want a regional planning authority for Connemara, Udrux Ir Connacht. This authority would be responsible for planning and development in the area and for the regional water system. They are demanding an end to the authority of Galway County Council in Connemara Affairs. Among other points in their demands are fishing rights for the people of the area in the lakes and rivers of Connemara 
and a restriction of speculators' activities. Earlier, Mr Faulkner told the meeting that through the county councils he had responsibility other than those of Gaeltacht. He felt that they, that when they considered the importance of the Gaeltacht, he felt when they considered the importance of the Irish language and of the Gaeltacht to the survival of the nation, they would do their utmost to secure priority for Gaeltacht proje- projects at all times. Mr Boland stressed that the importance of preserving the Gaeltacht from harmful influences not all development would be in the interest of Gael, the Gaeltacht and planning authorities would need to be careful in considering applications for the development permissions in those areas. So it's interesting, um, you've already, they're meeting a minister and this whole business of protecting the, the Gaeltacht comes up. You don't want any undue influences, we'll keep it pure I suppose, and yet in a way the Gaeltacht was dying. The 1969 general election was called for June the 18th and the Gaeltacht civil rights movement nominated Pallar Macanomara to stand. Now it was a huge, it was quite a gamble in a way because as it was described in a documentary how Connemara was almost a one-party state with Fianna Fáil being that one party. So even to make a any kind of gain, electoral gain, was going to be very, very difficult because obviously Fianna Fáil had been, you know, were the, the mainstay area and there was a loyalty to the parties um, that wasn't, that wasn't, um, that probably isn't there now, you know, but certainly there was, it was a dyed-in-the-wool Fianna Fáil area. There's a piece in one of the papers outlining, isn't it? just profiling, um, Profiling the candidate, well, profiling the issues, and it's quite quite interesting. Um, West Ang- West's angry young teacher, conflict amid the rocks. So it gives a background of why they're running and also what they've done and and so on. Hidden in the diamond-shaped packet of land that stretches from the western shores of Loch Corrib into the eastern approaches of the Atlantic Breakers, there are two Connemaras that are different as heaven and hell. If you are an outsider, the Connemara you see is the one inspired that has inspired so many famous songs and paintings. A haven of loveliness, which Thackeray thought was one of the most beautiful districts that it is ever the fortitude uh, fortune. If you are an outsider, the Connemara you see is the one that has inspired so many famous songs and paintings. A haven of loveliness, which Thackeray thought was one of the most beautiful districts that it is ever the fortune of a traveller to examine. If you are a local, then you see the other Connemara, the one where rocks are as plentiful as grass and the only present Cromwell thought fit to bestow on the Irish people. When he was a young lad growing up in the middle of our stony maze that is Inverin, 24-year-old Pather Macanomara saw many of his friends and neighbours saying goodbye to their families because their meagre farms could not support them any longer and there were no industry to keep them at home. Later, as a school teacher, he witnessed the expansion in educational opportunities, which geared the children of his area for better things, but they still had to go away to get them. As elections came and went, he heard the various political parties putting forward new plans about saving the West, new proposals for attracting more industries, and new recommendations for keeping the young people at home. But still they went, 
and their parents grew to grandparents with nobody to look after them in their old age and still more children were born into the area once offered as an alternative to hell. Convinced that local politicians from the major parties could do nothing to remedy the situation because no matter how good they were as individuals they inevitably had to toe the party line in the Doyle he decided to go forward as an independent for one of the three West Galway seats and gathered round him supporters of the recently formed Gaeltock Civil Rights Association, who have been agitating for a new deal for the West. His entry into the political arena is significant in many respects, remarkable in others, and extraordinary in more. For the past few months, the Gaeltock problem has become a live issue in several parts of the country, with immigrants and sympathisers taking to the picket line to air their grievances. Connemara, which is 19,000 voters compared with 14,000 in Galway, the Galway city area, has been the main focus for attention, and already a number of national organisations, including Conrad and Gaelga, have pledged their help in any campaign the Gaeltoc may wage to achieve civil rights. Fish-ins have been organised in reserved areas of several rivers, including the Costello. Pickets put on any venture which might prove detrimental to the Gaeltacht environment, and a deputation sent to the Department of the Gaeltacht to outline improvements which could be put into effect immediately. The recent agitation is significant when it is remembered that the people of Connemara are conservative by nature and traditional supporters of Fianna Fáil, who drafted the present Gaeltacht policy. West Galway was one of the areas in which Fianna Fáil's proposals on the PR referendum was approved. Macanumara represents the new wave of thinking that is vibrating through the minds of the young people of the West at the moment, and could certainly pose a formidable threat in the coming election. He emphasises that he is not against any of the existing parties, and says that he will recommend his supporters to give their second and third choices to the people they normally vote for. I'm not interested in politics, just in people, and not merely the people of Connemara, but the whole people of the West as a whole. He tells you as he explains what he considers to be the West's social and economic problems. He expects to win a seat because he puts him, as he puts it himself, he is one of their own, and even the most seasoned political observers are not dismissing his chances, knowing that there is a pattern in Connemara of people voting for the individual rather than the party. Much will depend on whether the impetus given by the young people of the area in their efforts to achieve civil rights has rubbed off on the older non-committed types. But in any, any event, two of the three West Galway seats will be won or lost in Connemara. So in, for really interesting, um, you get an idea of what, you know, on a personal level, what has prompted him to run and the issues he sees and the ideas. And also, are they actually in with a chance of winning a seat here? They had a number of public meetings and so on. Um, during the campaign, um, Jack Lynch came. There was a, a, a protest at his uh, at his rally in Carrow, and uh, later on, on the way back, I think it was in. I'm not sure where the rally was, but I think it was in Carrow that there was nails, attacks uh, thrown on the road, which caused the convoy um, loaded cars got punctures and stuff from Lynch's convoy and delayed him two hours. Now, it was nothing to do with the Gaelic Civil, uh, Gaeltoc Civil Rights Movement, but it was something that they got blamed for, um, even though they 
denied it and probably um, probably cost them votes in the end. Uh, McEnumara, um his literature was Oscailga uh, August Oscailla. So he, he his demands his five um, demands in the in his election material was one work at home. So in other words, you know nobody uh, work for people in Connemara. Um, houses for all, land and fishing rights, and this was the land and fishing rights. Obviously, was a huge issue in that all the rivers, you know, a lot of the rivers weren't, uh, and there was an issue with the salmon as well. Uh, that a lot of foreign landowners or other people owned the the fishing rights for the rivers, and it wasn't um, wasn't the locals. Uh, complete social services, a development and planning authority for Connemara. And this number five is something that was going to be pivotal, you know, later on. And they, it was what they wanted. It was a big, uh, it was a big demand. Anyway, the campaign went on. They were, they got a good reception. They um, they campaigned hard, um, and they'd support. They had hoped to win a seat, but really, it, the whole campaign was about drawing attention to themselves and drawing attention to their issues. In the end, uh, Padre McEnumer polled 1,522 votes, 6.42%, uh, coming fourth. Um, so just missing out on a seat. Um, he beat Michael D, actually, um, is one of the people he beat. So it wasn't a, wasn't a bad performance. And also, at the same time, uh, there was a, a Sinn Féin teaching on the rights of man in Ireland held in Castle Bar. Now this was Sinn Féin before the split and everything, so, um, so Sinn Féin were very much aware of the, the, the issues facing small farmers in the West. Things like the rights of ownerships and lakes and so on. We get a, just a brief bit um, that they should be prepared to turn their back on political patronages and organise themselves to stand up for their rights as the Glen Column Kill Cooperative Movement, the Gaeltoc Civil Rights and the Parish of Carna had done. For too long the people of Connacht were depending on the government to solve their problems and do, not, and do their thinking for them. This was a foolhardy attitude as the government and the civil service view of the West was that of depressed areas, because this preconception only depressing plans can be conceived to further de depress the area. This is a speech by Joseph McCone. Sp speaking on emigration, he said it was the greatest thing that had ever happened for the present day party political politician. Emigration is a safety valve. And it's actually, if you think about it, this was this was a theme that you would hear very often. Um, later on, or, or indeed in the 50s. Emigration is a safety valve. It is an emergency exit to which what otherwise might be pro troublesome agitators are pushed. Once a person it, that has emigrated, he no longer is a bother to our authorities. No job is needed for him. No house need built, be built for him. No school doctor or hospital is needed for him. If he were to remain in Ireland, he would suffer the indignity of an inadequate dole and be cowed into silence for a short time, but eventually 
his resignation would give way to desperation and he would organise with his fellow stufferers and demand human rights. But this entails sacrifice, and sacrifice is not a thing we easily suffer. It is, however, the alternative to extinction. The revival of the Irish language was an important factor in the limiting of emigration, as it was now accepted that language barriers were not crossed in emigration, and Irish people in the main emigrated only to English-speaking countries, except in the case of an enormous natural disaster or war, said Mr McGowan. In this regard, the significance of the newly formed Gaeltacht civil rights movement was something which great importance was attached. For too long, the people of the Gaeltacht were kept quiet by government patronage. They accepted doles and grants as if they were unworthy of them and were always careful not to say anything unsavoury for fear they would be withheld. Obviously, such a conservative community was bound to die. But all of a sudden, a new movement rises up, rejecting all political parties, demanding reforms and an end to the abuse of the Gaeltacht. And we immediately seeing a dying man, as it were, rise up and dance a jig. Any familiar, anyone familiar with the Connemara Gaeltacht knows the new vitality and purposefulness which has come back to it of late. If the present spirit can be expended, not only will the Gaeltacht live, but it will grow and spread throughout Connacht and Ireland, he said. He added that Connacht, for Connacht to prosper, there were three facets of life that needed immediate attention. Educational, cultural revival and the cooperative movement. The, Ga the Gaeltacht civil rights movement had been a catalyst in other, certainly on the left, of, of the Irish language and how they were thinking in Sinn Féin and how they were thinking on the, the revival of the language. The group campaigned on, indeed, in 1970. It set up in Ross Muck, I think it was. Now, apparently, they originally wanted to broadcast out of Pierce's Cottage, but they set up um, Sayer Radio Connemara, Radio Free Connemara, a pirate radio station. They wanted an Irish language station, um, an Irish language radio station, and one wasn't being provided, so they set up their own um, their own group, or set up their own uh, radio station in Connemara, in Mosmuk, or Sair Radio uh, Connemara. I think it broadcasted every day, but especially at the weekends was popular. It was broadcast, uh, broad, broadcast out of a caravan. But by doing so, um, it put pressure on the authorities because it was seen as a success. And here they were, it wasn't a, it wasn't a commercial venture in that it was standing up for something. It wasn't like, I suppose, Radio Nova or other ones, you know, the, the pirates in Dublin. Uh, but they, yeah, some were community, but some were commercial. This wasn't. This was a community, and also, if the authorities closed it down, you know, there, there'd be a backlash from, um, you know, seeing a triumph of the Gaelgors of the local community to have this, and a lot of the local young people um, were involved in the station, and indeed, I think a number of people who eventually went on to Radio on the Gaeltacht uh, were involved in the station. Anyway, it, it, the, the pressure from the founding, founding of the radio station um, led to actually RT, um, the Radio Nigeltakta, uh, starting in 1972. So it actually uh, was, a, by the establishment of their um, 
their own radio station, uh, they actually forced forced the state's hand in Radio Nagaeltuk they're being founded. But not just Radio Nagaeltuk they're being founded, but it was also based in Connemara. So there was the associated jobs and everything with it. So it was a win-win in that you had both the, um, the, the actual broadcasting, but you had the jobs and everything that went with it. So it was benefited both the economy and the language. Very, very big step forward. And of course, you know, it can be said, you know, later on, um, I think Bob Quinn and some other people moved down to Connemara at that stage. So a film industry kind of grew up then. And then, of course, T.G. Carr uh, was founded and broadcast um, their, their, their HQs in Connemara as well. So you've, it was a part of Sarah Radio Connemara uh, was one of the, uh, the, the catalyst, in a way, for a lot of the employment and creativity and so on that has come from Radio Nagel, the TG Car, and other other things in that area, and indeed, I suppose if you look, at it, it has benefited um, other Gaeltacht areas, be it Ring, be it Kerry, or or Donegal. So it's very on Mead. So it was quite quite an important victory. In 1971, the government made a decision um, regarding the dole, which caused major protests um, in Galway, organised by. Um, Gaeltic civil rights movements. Just a report of, of it. Several hundred people in rural, from rural areas in County Galway demonstrated outside the Galway Labour Exchange yesterday, paraded through the city and held a sit-in at the Department of Social Welfare Offices. The protest was organised by Glushduk Carta Sivilta Nagaeltakta, Gaeltic civil rights movement, against the government's recent order about the dole. A thousand people in Connemara are affected by the order, which cut off the dole from single men under 50 without dependents in rural areas. A statement on behalf of the Civil Rights Movement, the Republican Club of Galway University and the Sinn Féin Workers' Action Committee indicated that the protest was being made to further their demands. Speaking at the meeting, Joseph O'Kuig of the Civil Rights Movement said they would continue to fight for jobs and if there were none, they wanted their dole restored. The policy was to clear the people out of the West and keep it exclusively for tourists. Professor Garoge McOwen of Galway University said they were still waiting for their own local authority and until it was set up the people of Connemara would not have rights. They were not looking for the dole but for jobs and one had only to go to Dublin to see that the wealth of the country was confined to the East Coast. So the government had cut, for some reason cut dole um, cut off dole for single men under 50 without dependents, really odd one. And obviously that um, hit Connemara badly. It, the thing was actually reversed after a lot of pressure. So all sorts of ideas were coming up. Um, Desmond Fennell had an idea uh, of building a couple of new towns uh, that have populations of 7,000 each. Um, and building building these new towns and getting Irish people, uh, Irish speakers from across the country, to uh, settle there, uh, Irish speakers from around the world, I suppose. And his inspiration was Israel, and um, that really didn't go down well, and the, the movement didn't really support it. Other problems started to uh, manifest themselves. 
although they ran in the uh, 69 election and, and the 73 election, one of the things was that it was a movement rather than uh, the local movement didn't see it as party political and so it banned members of political parties from um, being members of the civil rights movement and I, I mentioned earlier some stuff about Sinn Féin so after the split Sinn Féin and, and official Sinn Féin a lot of people Martin O'Cahon and some others were very involved in or got involved in the movement and kind of and naturally the Republican movement on both sides were were very um, were very supportive of the Gaeltoc civil rights movement and this cover you know the influx of Republicans um, caused some discomfort within the organization Padre McAnumara uh, was among among those who, who split from the organization because of the influx of people of those views and it kind of so in 19, the 1973 general election came along. Now at this stage, they'd got Radio Nagel, they'd got a, a peer at Rossaville. Um, you know, they'd won the Dole thing um, and the, had other achievements. In that 1973 general election, civil rights candidate, Joseph uh, Otursch, ran. And he was looking for control of local affairs in the hands of local people an end to discrimination in amenities, social services and education, nationalisation of building land in urban areas, nationalisation on inland fisheries, massive state report, support for fishermen's co-ops, the abolition of ground rents without compensation, workers' participation in management and profits, and local control over education. So you get a hint here. One of the things um, coming in, a lot of the left uh, the Irish left supported uh, the Gaelic civil rights movement. There had been marches and protests in Dublin and the, the authorities were very, very suspicious of them. And indeed the riot squad, um, there was trouble at a number of uh, a number of the protests, mainly because, I suppose instigated, but, but heavy-handedness on behalf of the authorities. Um, and, and, you know, I, as I say, the Republican, especially the official side, would, with the, you know, there would have been uh, certainly, with the, I suppose Marxists or whatever seen as Marxists, and mixing that with the um, Irish led to a lot of suspicion, I suppose, of uh, uh, within the, both the organisation and of the, the candidates. So the nineteen, so the nineteen seventy three um, general election, and Otorge didn't poll half as well as um, Padre McAnomer. Had he pulled just seven hundred and three votes, which wasn't uh, wasn't great, but as I say, they they'd got some things at that stage. The next the next thing was uh, read they were they were looking for a development and planning authority for Connemara. Now, actually, at that stage, they had um, broadened out and being very active in the likes of you know Sean O'Rea that had come up and so on. But they'd be very active in Kerry and Coulee and Cork, in Unrin uh, and Rathcairn. And apparently, for some reason, the, there wasn't much, um, they didn't get much support from Donegal. But anyway, and, and there was actually a movement looking for um, home rule for the Gaeltacht, in a way, in that having an authority 
not not independence, but certainly having the people of the Gaelsocked areas having far more say over their own uh, future uh, than, for instance, a county council would or whatever. But in the end, uh, that 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 didn't that didn't happen. And in the end, Uderos Nigeltakto was set up, and ideally, again, again, they would have wanted it even at least to have the same, the same uh, powers as a as a county council, and to be the equivalent of Galway County Council or Kerry County Council or wherever the, in the, the Gaeltacht areas. But it wasn't, wasn't quite the same power, and there was 19, in 1979 um, there was Uderos elections, and Glushgart put up candidates. Um, they put forward three candidates and didn't win. Um, they were in Connacht, the Connacht constituency. And those who in Connacht, uh, Tygo Queen, Sean O'Nochton and Paul Bonnino of Wheel were elected to Fianna Fáil, one Fianna Gael in Munster, TP O'Conchor, El Fianna Gael, Brendan McGarrett, who had been an ally, who was an ally of theirs, was elected as a, an independent, although he was um, SFWP. And in Donegal, Parig de Lapa Fianna Fáil, Parigok and Parigok Yalig of independent Fianna Fáil were elected. Um, so 55.6% uh, of the people voted and they got 6.1%, the Glushok got 6.1% of the total, total vote. So Udras didn't quite have the powers that um, that uh, that was envisaged. A lot of the people involved, Joseph O'Keefe and, and others, were continually, and Brendan McGarrett and whatever, were, were involved in politics for many years. And of course, most of the people were still active as activists, as language activists on the ground and local activists. But really, from its its heyday, the the Gaeltacht civil rights movement's heyday was in from its formation in 1969 till the early you know 1972-73. But it's a really interesting organisation, and as as it was, they saw the civil rights movement in the north, the civil rights movement in America, and wanted to put some of those, and you know wanted, and and were inspired by them. And they, you know, Radio on the Gales, like said, Chigi Carr wouldn't have been there without them. Um, Pierre Rossaville, Uther Ross probably wouldn't. And there was all sorts of other local things as well. They were quite a successful organisation in effect and drew attention to the issues in their areas. Thanks very much for listening. Um, please subscribe and so on if you can. Tell your friends about the podcast. And um, if you could subscribe to the Patreon, that would be great. It's patreon.com forward slash electionlet. Thank you.